We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Episode 383 of the Al Galdi Podcast. It is Tuesday, August 23rd, 2022. It is my son's birthday. He's now five. And it is the day after a good news Monday for the Commanders. Yes, I said good news and Commanders in the same sentence. Uh, The Commanders on Monday morning activated Logan Thomas of the active, physically unable to perform list. That was good news. The commanders on Monday morning had various veterans back practicing. J.D. McKissick, Charles Leno Jr., Wes Schweitzer. That was good news. Heck, Forbes on Monday morning came out with the publication's annual ranking of NFL teams in terms of valuations. The commanders came in as the sixth most valuable franchise in the NFL, $5.6 billion, a 33% increase from last year's valuation for the team. Now, a number of NFL teams' values shot up into the 20-plus percent range, but still a 33% increase, $5.6 billion. Dan Snyder in May 1999 paid $800 million for the Redskins and what was then known as Jack Kent Cook Stadium, that for which he paid $800 million in May 1999, now is worth $5.6 billion. I know, inflation, but still, that, my friends, is a happy Thanksgiving. First off, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Yes, Danny. Happy Thanksgiving. Hello and welcome to a Tuesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. It is nice to have good commander's news to discuss with you. Uh, Next segment, we will revel in the good news of Logan Thomas being activated off the active, physically unable to perform list. You know, there's irony in the name of that list because he, in being on that list, in fact, was not active. He now is active. Uh, It now is very reasonable to believe that Logan will be available for week one. I'll explain why and play for you comments from both Logan and Ron Rivera on Monday afternoon. I'll also get into the sheer madness that's going on for the commanders at tight end right now. The lack of healthy tight ends for the team has become absurd, so much so that the team on Monday morning officially announced the acquisitions of not one, but two tight ends. Also, I have some scheduled fun for you off comments from Ron Rivera, and I'll discuss comments that Ron Rivera had regarding the commander's defense, which, as you may have noticed, uh, isn't exactly killing it so far this NFL preseason. Also on the show, a special guest to talk commanders, Howard Gutman, who is going to provide great insight on the Ryan Vermillion situation and on what the heck is going on between Dan Snyder and Congress. Uh, Howard Gutman is a 1980 graduate of Harvard Law School. He is the former United States ambassador to Belgium. He understands the law 
and understands politics like few people do. And he has a lot to say about the truth about the Ryan Vermillion situation. If you think that you know that truth, think again. And Howard's going to analyze why we have heard basically nothing about Dan Snyder's testimony before Congress's House Committee on Oversight and Reform regarding the team's workplace misconduct scandal. The testimony happened on July 28th. The testimony lasted for nearly 11 hours. Why has essentially nothing come out about the testimony? What does that say about the nature of the testimony? Uh, Is Congress, in fact, now done with Dan? Has Dan, in fact, defeated Congress? Has Dan, in fact, conquered Congress? Uh, We'll get into that and much more. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Tweet from R. Richardson on the Commander's preseason finale at the Baltimore Ravens. This Saturday night at 7, writes R. Richardson, if Washington can beat the Ravens, who are still the undefeated preseason champs, we can call it a season. Even if we go 0-17 in the regular season, what say you? LOL. You know what? I actually really want the Commanders to win at the Ravens, just so we can say that the Commanders ended this obnoxious preseason winning streak for the Ravens. Uh, The Ravens, in case you don't know, have won an NFL record 22 consecutive preseason games. And the debate for years has been, well, does this streak mean anything? And of course, the actual outcomes of preseason games mean nothing. But what's also true is that the Ravens have been a model NFL organization for years. No Ravens fan am I, trust me. But there's no doubt that the Commanders every day should look at the Ravens and a few other NFL teams as what the Commanders should aspire to be. The Ravens have made the playoffs in 13 of the last 22 seasons, including two Super Bowl titles. Uh, Our team, on the other hand, has not had a winning regular season since the 2016 season, has not had a 10-win regular season since the 2012 season, and hasn't won a playoff game since January 2006. Uh, So yeah, as a Commanders fan, I'm jealous of and bitter at the Ravens. And yeah, I want the Commanders to end the Ravens' obnoxious NFL record 22-game preseason winning streak. I want Sam Howell to quarterback the Commanders to a big win at the Ravens this Saturday night. Uh, Email from Kim off the Commanders' last preseason game, the 24-14 loss at the Kansas City Chiefs this past Saturday, writes Kim, I am a fan of Ron Rivera, but why is it that he only now is using the proverbial Swiss Army knife, Antonio Gibson, as such? I feel like Ron takes players and tries to fit them into what he wants them to be. I'm pleased that Gibson is being used as intended, but geez, I did enjoy watching the backups, was fun watching Sam Howell, and I loved Cam Sims' touchdown. Last item is a gripe. Why did we have to destroy our identity while the Chiefs keep their name, the chop, the chant? I mean, really? That whole scene far exceeds whatever our fans did or did not do slash say. I guess if you are a winning franchise, you don't have to play by the rules, question mark? Thank you for the email, Kim. Uh, I think the exact same thing every time I see the Arrowhead Shop on TV. And make no mistake, the Arrowhead Shop gets shown on TV. It's not like television networks go out of their way not to show the Arrowhead Chop. Uh, the Arrowhead Chop by Chiefs fans, the Tomahawk Chop by Atlanta Braves fans, far worse than anything Redskins fans ever did. Do not get me started on the hypocrisy regarding the Redskins name change. Do you know that Amazon, to this day, still is selling Chief Wahoo gear for the Cleveland Indians, who aren't even the Cleveland Indians anymore? They're now the Cleveland Guardians. Amazon in July 2020 made a big deal, a big to-do about removing Redskins merchandise for sale. Amazon, right? Acting all virtuous, that same Amazon company to this day, to this day, still is selling Chief Wahoo gear for the Cleveland Indians, who again, aren't even the Cleveland Indians anymore. Explain that to me. Justify that to me. 
Chief Wahoo is much more offensive than the Redskins logo or even potentially the Redskins name, and yet you still can buy Chief Wahoo merch on Amazon, which in July 2020 lectured everyone about how bad the name Redskins was. Uh, The Arrowhead Chop, the Tomahawk Chop, Chief Wahoo. I said don't get me started, and yet I got started. Uh, Well, if you are looking to get started on buying a home in the Washington, D.C. area, if anyone who you know is looking to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area, know that now is the time to buy. And so that's why you got to get with Kellen Hunt. If you are on the hunt for a home in the D.C. area, get with Kellen Hunt. Visit CloseItWithKell.com. That's CloseItWithKell, K-E-L-L.com. Book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. If you want to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area, but are unsure whether now is the time to buy a home, know this, now is the time. Uh, It has been a crazy last few months in real estate, no doubt, but as was detailed in the Washington Post recently, there right now is a real estate market shift taking place, giving the upper hand to buyers. The window for buying a home is opening. Uh, Buyers have faced crazy competition for homes over the last few years, oftentimes losing out on homes. Well, the rising mortgage rates mean that the market now is not as competitive and inventory is starting to rise. Uh, Houses are also sitting longer and we are starting to see price reductions, all good signs for buyers. Uh, Now is the time to capitalize on this. Visit CloseItWithKell.com. That's CloseItWithKell.com. Book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. Kellen Hunt has his finger on the pulse of developments all around the Washington, D.C. area. He is a DMV native. He lives and breathes the culture of the area. He has a wealth of knowledge when it comes to local neighborhoods and economical development and schools and market conditions and all that makes the Washington, D.C. area unique. And Kellen Hunt closes deals. He wins. He is here for you to listen to what you want and then get you what you want, no matter your age, family situation, or financial situation. Kellen Hunt can help you. Kellen Hunt is a real estate agent for real people, and Kellen Hunt is willing to put a portion of his commission back in your pocket. Yeah, you the buyer, get a piece of the action. Kellen Hunt knows what buyers like you are facing, and he wants to help. So visit CloseItWithKell.com. That's CloseItWithKell.com. CloseItWithKell, K-E-L-L.com. Book your call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. Visit CloseItWithKell.com. Book an introductory call with Kellen Hunt at CloseItWithKell.com. If you are trying to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area, you will do well by going with Kell. Visit CloseItWithKell.com and tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. All right. Ratings and reviews help out the podcast a lot. If you have never rated the podcast, please consider doing that. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, you can give the podcast a five-star rating. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, you can write a review of the podcast. Uh, The review does not have to be long. can be just a sentence or two saying that you like the podcast. And thank you for doing the ratings and the reviews. So we on Monday morning had very encouraging commander's news. The commanders on Monday morning activated tight end Logan Thomas off the active, physically unable to perform list, uh, aka the preseason pup list. Uh, Pup as in P-U-P, physically unable to perform. Uh, Logan Thomas now is physically able to perform. He had been physically unable to perform. Now he can physically perform. I've always found the name of this list to be funny, the physically unable to perform list. Uh, Logan had been on the active physically unable to perform list since July 26th, which was the day on which players reported for 2022 Commanders training camp. Uh, He was on the list due to a season-ending torn left ACL, MCL, and meniscus that he suffered in the win at the Las Vegas Raiders last December 5th. The commanders on Monday morning practiced at their team facility in Ashburn, Virginia. Their training camp technically is over, but nothing really has changed. Uh, Rod Rivera, on early Monday afternoon, did a post-practice press conference. This was Ron on activating Logan Thomas off the active, physically unable to perform list. 
It's very nice. You know, the next step, obviously, is to see him practice. So we'll get excited about that, hopefully, uh, soon. But um, the best thing is, is this is a step, um, you know, and a part of the process. Ah, yes, the process. Uh, let's get into that. Personally, I had budgeted for Logan Thomas to begin the regular season on the regular season version of the physically unable to perform list, what is officially the reserve physically unable to perform list. Uh, we now can say that that is not going to happen. And here's why. So we have the active physically unable to perform list, which is the preseason pup list. And we have the reserve physically unable to perform list, which is the regular season pup list. Uh, a player can only be placed on the active physically unable to perform list prior to the start of training camp. And a player cannot be placed on the reserve physically unable to perform list unless he is on the active physically unable to perform list. Uh, all of this is tedious, I know, but these distinctions matter because you can tell what a team is truly thinking about the availability of a player by how the team navigates these lists. We now can say with certainty that Logan Thomas will not be beginning the regular season on the regular season pup list. Uh, that suggests that the commanders believe that there's a very good chance that he'll be available for week one. If the commanders did not think that, then they would have kept him on the preseason pup list so that they could potentially put him on the regular season pup list. The mechanics of all of this very much suggest that there's a good chance that Logan Thomas will be available for the commander's regular season opener, home to the Jacksonville Jaguars on Sunday afternoon, September 11th at 1. And that is something considering that Logan A suffered serious damage to his left knee, a torn left ACL, MCL, and meniscus, and B, that he suffered this serious damage to his left knee this past December 5th, just eight and a half months ago. Here was Ron Rivera on Monday afternoon on whether he has a feel regarding whether Logan might be ready for week one. No, other than, you know, them just telling us, you know, that as long as he continues to progress, there's some good things. Okay, quote, as long as he continues to progress, there's some good things, end quote. Uh, that to me is code for, I'm not going to say that Logan Thomas will be ready for week one, and certainly it's not set in stone that Logan will be ready for week one, but we are on a path toward him being ready for week one. How about the man himself? Uh, Logan Thomas on early Monday afternoon did a post-practice press conference. This was Logan on if he believes that he'll be playing in week one. Like I said, that's another thing that's not solely on myself. Obviously, as a competitor, yeah, I'd love to be out there week one. But I know myself, if I'm not ready to go or I don't feel like a full version of myself, then we can buy another week or another two weeks. But, um, you know, games are ultra meaningful, whether they're early in the season or late in the season. So I'd love to be out there. All right. I like that from Logan Thomas. He wants to play in week one. He is aiming to play in week one, but he's not declaring or proclaiming anything. He's not, wait for it, all in for week one, at least not publicly. There's no need for Ron Rivera or Logan Thomas to promise or insist on anything. There's no benefit in promising or insisting on anything. But the indications pretty clearly are that Logan Thomas is tracking toward being ready for week one. And that's terrific news. Uh, the Redskins initially signed Logan Thomas in March 2020 as an unrestricted free agent, a two-year, $6.145 million dollar contract. Uh, Logan finished the 2020 regular season with 72 receptions for 670 yards and six touchdowns on 110 targets over 16 games. He became just the third tight end in franchise history to have a regular season in which he had at least 70 receptions, at least 650 receiving yards, and at least five receiving touchdowns. Uh, he joined Jordan Reed in 2015 and Chris Cooley in 2005, uh, Washington on July 28th, 2021, announced the signing of Logan Thomas to a three-year contract extension, but Logan in the 2021 regular season played in just six of Washington's 17 games. Uh, he was on the reserve injured list from October 6th to November 29th due to a hamstring injury that he suffered in the win at the Atlanta Falcons in week four. And then he shortly after returning suffered the torn left ACL, MCL, and meniscus in the win at the Raiders 
in Week 13. And it stands out that Logan's last game in the 2021 regular season, that win at the Raiders, was, right, the final game in Washington's four-game winning streak. Uh, Logan's absence last season really hurt Washington. Rod Rivera on Monday afternoon on what he's looking for from Logan and what it'll mean to get Logan back. Well, I think, first of all, you know, his connection with Carson, you know, that'll be a big part of it. You know, we, we've, got to, we've got to see that because um, we haven't had a chance to see it. Uh, secondly is his influence and impact will be on the other guys, you know, whether it's with John Bates or it's going to be with, um, with, with Cole or, 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 or whoever else is on the field. You, you've got to see that. I mean, you know, he'll, we'll even see how he impacts the other young tight ends too. I mean, he's a guy that uh, has the versatility and, and the athleticism to, to, to be the complete tight end. Um, you know, all those other guys all have specific skill sets. He's probably the one that truly is well-rounded. Yes, he is. Uh, now, you heard Ron Rivera make mention of wanting to see a quality connection between quarterback Carson Wentz and Logan Thomas. Does that mean that Logan will need to play in the Commander's preseason finale at the Baltimore Ravens this Saturday night at 7? No. That connection? No. No, just a lot of work, you know, once once he's cleared to, 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 to start working with uh, the quarterbacks and stuff like that. You know, right now it's all about positional drills, individual drills, and then eventually the next step will be obviously run, running and, and catching the ball. Um, but as soon as we can, it'll be, it'll be great. But again, we're not going to force anybody out there early. Nor should you. Again, Ron Rivera speaking conservatively when discussing the return of Logan Thomas. It has been said that Carson Wentz loves to throw to tight ends. Uh, the numbers do back that up. According to True Media, Carson Wentz has the second highest percentage of regular season pass attempts to tight ends in the NFL since he came into the league in 2016, 31.1%. Uh, only Baltimore Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson has a higher such percentage during that span. Lamar's percentage is 32 Carson, during his time with the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, played with some really good tight ends in Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. Uh, Logan Thomas on Monday afternoon on what has jumped out at him so far in catching passes from Carson Wentz. Yeah, the ball gets there a little bit quicker um, with a different timing and Shoot, one of the routes I've ran since I've gotten here, the ball just felt different when it got there. And uh, so it's cool. It's time, it takes a little something for me to get adjusted to, but uh, I'm excited to see where it goes. How'd you like that from Logan Thomas on Carson Wentz? Quote, the ball gets there a little bit quicker with the different timing. Shoot, one of the routes I've ran since I've gotten here, the ball just felt different when it got there. End quote. You like hearing that? from Logan regarding Carson. Uh, Something else from Logan Thomas on Monday afternoon, him on one of the final hurdles that he cleared in order to be activated off the active, physically unable to perform list. Take a listen. So we did some some extra tests last week. Um, I looked at force plate jumps and power outputs, uh, how my landing is, if I'm landing too much on the right or the left, and all that stuff was better than it was last year at this time. Uh, so there really wasn't much I could do left on that other field. Um, for me, it's just now getting back and in, integrating contact into my daily routine and getting used to it and, and, you know, building from where I've been. So how about that? Logan Thomas on certain tests tested better than he did last year prior to getting injured. Uh, not bad. Uh, Now, Monday was a busy day for the Commanders at tight end. The Commanders on Monday officially announced the acquisitions of two tight ends. Uh, The Commanders on Monday morning announced that they had claimed tight end Kendall Blayton off waivers from the Los Angeles Rams. And the Commanders on Monday morning announced that they had signed unrestricted free agent tight end Jake Hausman. Uh, The 2022 season would be Blanton's age 27 season. He entered the NFL as an undrafted free agent out of Missouri with the Los Angeles Rams in April 2019. He was with the Rams for three seasons, 2019 through 2021, although he spent the entire 2020 season on the Rams practice squad. But this past NFL postseason was a factor 
in two wins for the Rams en route to them winning Super Bowl 56. A Blanton in the Rams' 30-27 win at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the divisional round had two receptions for 18 yards and a touchdown on two targets. And Blanton in the Rams' 2017 win over the San Francisco 49ers in the NFC Championship game had five receptions for 57 yards on five targets. So Kendall Blanton is someone who is capable. Uh, Jake Hausman, he entered the NFL as an undrafted free agent out of Ohio State with the Detroit Lions on May 1st, 2021. He did not play in a game in the 2021 regular season, but he has spent time with the Lions, New York Giants, and Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Hausman played at Ohio State for four seasons, 2017 through 2020. Ron Rivera on Monday afternoon on why the commanders have acquired Kendall Blanton and Jake Hausman. Well, we have we have one guy left healthy, um, and we started with seven healthy guys, and we have one guy left. So that's why we brought in two other guys. Yeah, it is bonkers what has been going on for the commanders at tight end. We, this past Saturday, of course, had the commanders 24-14 preseason loss at the Kansas City Chiefs. Listen to all that the Commanders had going on at tight end with this game. Uh, Logan Thomas did not play in the game as he was still on the active, physically unable to perform list. John Bates did not play in the game due to a calf injury. Cole Turner did not play in the game due to a hamstring injury. Curtis Hodges did not play in the game due to a thigh injury. Samus Reyes did not play in the game as the team had placed him on the reserve injured list on Tuesday, August 16th. The commanders' two tight ends for this game were Armani Rogers and Eli Wolf, and Wolf got hurt in the game. Uh, the commanders on Monday morning announced that they had placed Wolf on the reserve injured list. Uh, what has been happening for the commanders at tight end in terms of injury has been surreal. Uh, I have a must-listen-to soundbite from Ron Rivera on Monday afternoon for you in moments as more Commander's Conversation is on the way. And then after that, our special guest, Howard Gutman, the former United States ambassador to Belgium, talking Commanders. You know, Howard is a high-level attorney, and I know that someone for whom he had great respect was the late Barry Nace, a founding partner of Paulson and Nace. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Paulson and Nace is a Washington, D.C.-based family law firm that handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases, offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C., and West Virginia. Call 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace treats its clients with respect and dignity and wants what is best for the firm's clients. Paulson and Nace will treat you, your family, and your situation with the care and expertise that you deserve. And Paulson and Nace is excellent at what it does. Paulson and Nace has recovered millions of dollars for the sick and injured. Heck, just last month, Paulson and Nace won a case for which the United States government must pay nearly $1.8 million. Uh, this to a former American University field hockey player because of a military doctor's failure to diagnose and treat the student for a 2011 concussion that left her with permanent symptoms. Uh, you may have read about this. Paulson and Nace took on the U.S. government and won. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. If you feel that you've been wronged, if you think that you've been wrong but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Call 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit paulsonandnace.com. That's paulsonandnace.com. And don't forget to tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace, when tragedy happens, let the family of Paulson and Nace take care of your family. All right, so Logan Thomas was back for the Commanders on Monday morning, although he was far from a full participant in practice. Back actually practicing for the Commanders on Monday morning to varying degrees were three veterans who did not play in that preseason loss at the Chiefs this past Saturday. Uh, running back J.D. McKissick, left tackle Charles Leno Jr., and guard slash center Wes Schweitzer. Uh, McKissick did not play at the Chiefs due to a groin ailment. Leno did not play at the Chiefs due to what Ron Rivera during his postgame press conference called, quote, a slight medical issue, end quote. And Schweitzer 
did not play at the Chiefs due to a hip ailment. Now, still out for the Commanders on Monday morning were left guard Andrew Norwell, uh, we're not exactly sure why, and right guard Trey Turner, who has been dealing with a quadriceps injury for weeks now. The commanders are not required to put out injury reports until the regular season. So all of these things that we talk about with injuries right now are things that we are told, uh, mostly from Ron Rivera. But Ron doesn't always want to tell us what's going on with injuries. And by the way, that's okay. He has that right. Uh, But take a listen to this exchange on Monday afternoon between commanders insider Ben Standig of The Athletic and Ron Rivera. Uh, we saw Wes Schweitzer out doing some position drills. Uh, I guess what's, what's with him? We haven't seen Andrew Norwell in a while. What right. are the situations there? Just guys you know, taking care of themselves. What See, is, I don't have to give you an injury report, so I'm sure. just telling you. They're just guys taking care of themselves. Well, okay? Just for Norwell. We, I don't think we've ever heard what his yeah. issue was. I know. I don't have to tell you that right now. <laughs> so I'm just telling you. He's just working through it, and when he's healthy and ready to roll and everything's okay and fine, we'll get guys out there on the football field. I love it. I can't exactly explain why, but I always get a kick out of Ron Rivera when he gets annoyed, when he gets testy, when he gets angry. I don't know. Uh, I just find that funny. Uh, Those were perfectly reasonable questions from Ben Standing. Ron just was not in the mood to answer those questions. And like I said, that's okay. Uh, He is under no obligation to talk about injuries right now. Uh, Something that Ron Rivera is obligated to do is fix the commander's defense. Uh, The commander's defense in the preseason loss at the Chiefs on Saturday, got carved up, got sliced and diced during quarterback Patrick Mahomes' time in the game. Mahomes was in the game for two Chiefs offensive drives. Uh, The Chiefs' first offensive drive, a 12th play, 87-yard drive, consumed 5 minutes, 28 seconds off the clock, resulted in Mahomes' first quarter, second and goal, 5-yard shotgun touchdown pass to tight end Jody Fortson, who beat corner Kendall Fuller. Mahomes on the drive, 6 of 9 for 81 yards and the touchdown. The Chiefs' second offensive drive was uh, Patrick Mahomes' second and final drive in the game. 12 plays, 82 yards, consumed 5 minutes, 25 seconds off the clock, resulted in Mahomes' early second quarter, third and goal, 70-yard shotgun touchdown pass to Jody Fordson on a broken play uh, as Mahomes completed the pass off scrambling to his left. Fordson beat safety Cameron Curl. Mahomes on this drive, 6 of 10 for 81 yards and the touchdown. The commanders with Patrick Mahomes in the game allowed the Chiefs to go 5 of 5 on third downs. This off the commanders in their preseason opening 23-21 loss to the Carolina Panthers at FedEx Field on August 13th, having allowed the Panthers for the game to have gone 11 of 18 on third downs. Ron Rivera on Monday afternoon with some thoughts on the commander's defense off its disappointing performance at the Chiefs. I'd say if there's one thing that is concerned, it's the pass rush. You know, we have to be disciplined, you know, and we have to understand what our role is. You know, if, if, if we have a specific call on, you're, you know, you're the edge guy, set the edge. Don't give up the edge. And, and that's probably the biggest thing that, you know, when you look at the tape, you see it. And that's, that's the thing that frustrates and, and disappointing. Um, you know, we, we have to understand who we're playing against. I mean, you know, this was probably one of the elite mobile quarterbacks that, that has the ability to move sideways um, and throw off of different platforms. I mean, you know, we had two guys bearing down on him. He throws the ball sidearm between the two of them for a completion. Um, you know, and that, that's the frustrating part as well. Very notable that Rod Rivera in the beginning of that cut made it a point to be critical of the commander's pass rush. Uh, Echoes of what Ron harped on for so much of last season, Washington edge defenders not being disciplined enough. You know, Ron just fired the team's defensive line coach, Sam Mills III, on August 9th, and yet we are still having problems with the defensive line. I do think that we've seen some good stuff from Montez Sweat in each of the commanders' two games so far this preseason. Uh, But yeah, the head coach on Monday morning clearly called out the pass rush. And that's the thing. If you go back and watch some of the big completions by Patrick Mahomes this past Saturday, yes, the commander's secondary had some issues, but the commander's secondary was being asked to cover guys for way too long. Uh, The pass rush wasn't nearly effective enough. Uh, Some of that, of course, was the greatness of Mahomes, but some of that was the commander's not being good enough. Up next, our special guest, Howard Gutman, who will speak truth 
Uh, the truth about the major development this past Friday morning in the legal situation of former Washington Director of Sports Medicine and Head Athletic Trainer Ryan Vermillion, and the truth about why we have heard so little about the congressional testimony of our Commander's co-owner and co-CEO, Dan Snyder, since it happened nearly a month ago. What exactly is going on here? We'll get to all of that and more after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So, of course, with the Commanders, there is the football and there is the non-football. We, this past Friday morning, had major movement in the legal situation of former Washington Director of Sports Medicine and Head Athletic Trainer Ryan Vermillion. Uh, As Vermillion in U.S. District Court in Alexandria, Virginia, agreed to deferred prosecution and to the U.S. Attorney's Office's Statement of Facts. Uh, This off the DEA, the Drug Enforcement Administration, and the Loudoun County Sheriff's Department last October 1st having conducted searches at Washington's practice facility and at Vermillion's residence. Uh, Federal prosecutors in this statement of facts stated uh, that Vermillion, during the 2020 season, what was head coach Ron Rivera's and Ryan Vermillion's first season with Washington, stored oxycodone and hydrocodone in a soft black bag that was transported across state lines to both home and away games and then would distribute the drugs, often stored in small white envelopes in a pocket labeled, quote, pill envelopes, end quote, to players without relying on a physician authorized to prescribe drugs. Uh, Prosecutors wrote that Vermillion then would request and receive written prescriptions from the team physicians, quote, to cover for the fact that he had provided substances to players without a legitimate prescription, end quote, but Vermillion did not always give the backfilled prescriptions to players. Uh, The statement of facts detailed examples of Vermillion distributing drugs to at least six different players on team flights and at both home and away games. The statement of facts did say that Vermillion only distributed medication to injured players in connection to football-related injuries and did not receive any financial kickbacks for his actions. But the statement of facts still had Vermillion having done Uh, numerous illegal things. Uh, Vermillion, as part of his plea agreement, agreed to pay a $10,000 criminal fine and to undergo periodic drug testing. Also, he, per the terms of the plea agreement, is not to leave the state of North Carolina, where he is living, uh, without permission from the court, and he is banned from possessing any controlled substances or firearms. However, if Ryan Vermillion, over the next 12 months, complies with the conditions of this plea agreement, criminal charges against him will be dismissed. 
for perspective on this Ryan Vermillion situation and also for insight on where the heck things stand with Commander's co-owner and co-CEO Dan Snyder with Congress regarding its investigation into the team's workplace misconduct scandal. I'm very pleased to welcome back to the Al Galdi podcast, the great Howard Gutman, uh, the former United States ambassador to Belgium. He was U.S. ambassador to Belgium from August 2009 to July 2013. He is a 1977 graduate of Columbia University and a 1980 graduate of Harvard Law School. Uh, He has appeared in several movies and television shows. He is the host of the political commentary radio show, As I See It, on News Radio WRVA in Richmond, Virginia, and on the Odyssey app. He is a big fan and an astute observer of the Commanders, and he is a loyal listener of this podcast. Ambassador Gutman, how are you? I'm doing great, Al. How you, how you been? Doing well, my friend. I uh, appreciate you coming on. So with Ryan Vermillion, Let's start with this. This arrangement by which if he complies with the conditions of the plea agreement over the next 12 months, criminal charges against him will be dismissed. Uh, Does that strike you as a particularly good deal for Vermillion in this situation that he can come out of it with zero criminal charges despite what he has agreed to uh, in this statement of facts? Or is such an arrangement more common than we realize? So first of all, deferred prosecutions are common. They are common um, when the government really doesn't have a case, um, but they've got too much invested in it. Now, Al, I have to have a full disclosure. I had 27 years as a leading defense attorney. Former prosecutors might say it differently, but my own view is when the government realizes its case is weak and there is serious defenses, but they have too much invested just to walk away, And rather than take it to trial and go to the expense and have the risk, uh, the the individual uh, and his lawyer say, well, this avoids the cost of trial, it avoids the risk. Um, So they reach a a negotiated settlement like everything else uh, where both sides have their own leverage. In this case, I think Ryan Vermillion really got a raw deal. Um, His lawyer, Barry Coburn, was a year behind me in law school. He's an 81 graduate of Harvard Law School. So Barry and I have been buddies for 45 years. And when this happened, we had had lunch. And of course, he said he couldn't say a word because it was attorney-client. But Barry's been working for years. Uh, But um, uh, so I'm sure he's well represented. I might have taken this one to trial, given what I've read now in the papers about uh, the, the facts about Ryan Vermillion. Well, that's interesting because for a lot of us, we see that Ryan Vermillion has agreed to this statement of facts and we say, boy, he must be guilty of sin. But you're saying, no, uh, the government's case in this situation was rather weak. So let's look at what he's guilty of, Al. It's amazing when you read this. To me, I mean, I would have finally bit the bullet and taken the deferred prosecution agreement. But let's look what it says. First, the government admits in the statement of facts that Ryan Vermillion did not make a nickel. So this had nothing to do with Ryan Vermillion. He wasn't doing anything for himself. He was doing it for the team. Second, they admitted nobody um, got a single pill who didn't have a football injury that would merit it. So we also, we don't have the case of someone doing something illegally to profit. And we don't have the case of someone wrongfully spreading pills wildly. You have one of two things here at worst. So what the facts are is that he would give the players who needed the pills, particularly on road trips, pills from his own stash instead of waiting for the prescription um, and and then uh, having, you know, having it the prescription in hand. And then he would tell the physicians afterwards and they would give the prescription. So you have one of two things at uh, at worst, you have one of those physician assistants we've all seen where you come for the doctor, you've waited a month for your appointment, and this guy who never went to medical school and basically does 99%, <laughs> and, the, and the doctor walks in and, you know, nods his head, blesses it, and that's what costs you the 300 bucks. Um, but the physician assistant has seen this a thousand times. He doesn't really need the doctor to nod his head. That's really for formality. He can't write the 
write the actual prescription. He can't be the diagnostician. So it's the formality. That's the worst you have. The Perhaps what you have is the best trainer, a guy who deserves credit, not blame, because let's look at the rest of what they say. What happens is the NFL, by its circumstance, has a very bad prescription um, practice, which is they have doctors on each team who are licensed in the states that are the home that the team plays and practices in. So the commander's doctors will be licensed in Washington and Virginia, probably. And that's where they can write prescriptions. So if they're playing in Minnesota, or they're on an airplane staying two days in a hotel in Minnesota, playing in Minnesota, having a meal afterwards and flying back the next day, there is no commander's doctor who has the ability to prescribe a drug in Minnesota. So what the trainers have to do is they have to make a request to the home team that their doctors prescribe something. They don't even know the player. And that has to go into a visiting player request, which is complete nonsense if you've got uh, players who are well-known and what their condition is and their pain level after the game. That's number one. Number two, the way it usually happens for Al Baldi when you go to the gym, if you've had knee surgery, after knee surgery, your doctor prescribes 25 oxycodons, take no more than two a day as needed. So we all have in our medicine chest 23 pills that we never took the prescription. It's there, and if you ever have it later, you can go take an amoxicillin, you know, if you have an infection, or you can take... That's how we normally work it. Well, Ryan Vermillion did not want players having prescriptions of 25 oxycodons, taking three, and having 22 others to decide themselves when they were going to take it. It says in the papers that he felt the players were too immature to decide when to take the rest of their prescriptions. So he held the prescriptions. So I believe less oxycodone went out rather than more oxycodone, less likely to get taken by the wrong person or sold, rather than more likely. It's just the guy doesn't have the medical degree. You've got to wait for the prescription. And finally, he's not the only one who knew this was happening. When he goes to the doctors and says, I need a script for Chase Young after the surgery, but I've started him on two to start with, um, the doctors can sit there and say, how'd you start him on two to start with without getting the approval in advance? So I suspect this wasn't a big secret. It's just no one thought it was a big deal because he was doing this responsibly. Given that closing argument, Al, would you have pled? to a deferred prosecution agreement, or would you have gone to trial? I tell you, it sounds like the Ryan Vermillion defense would have had quite the case in trial. Why do you think that his lawyer opted not to take the case to trial? Because they gave him a deferred prosecution agreement. I suspect, I mean, you could see it in Ron Rivera's press conference. No criminal charges developed, but by the way, the team was clean. That's the first thing you have to say. Well, I don't think anyone thought Ryan Vermillion had gone to medical school, and they must have known they were in Minneapolis. No one really asked because the person actually needed the pill. It's not like he's, they know who's stealing pills, who's pushing pills. The DEA took this case because they thought they caught a, a pill stealer and a pill pusher. By the way, the Players Association, different players, have brought lawsuits after the fact over the years, saying they got hooked on these drugs because they were pushed by different trainers. And every trainer in the league, including Al Bellamy, our current trainer, has been accused of this very same practice, Mm -hmm. which is they don't get the prescriptions first, they just know who needs it. It's just Ryan Vermillion was a scapegoat, but on the other hand, the government would have a DEA agent saying, these six players received pills, when there was no outstanding prescription at the time for them. Ryan Vermillion's not authorized. It's a class X drug. It was over state lines. He was facing real exposure. He was facing the time and expense of going to trial. So he took the deal because this isn't like he got a plea but a no jail agreement, even a misdemeanor and a no jail agreement. If it works, if he doesn't give an oxycodone in the next year, without the person first having the signed prescription from the doctor, 
this goes off his record. So it is the fastest, easiest way for him to rebuild his career. And I think the people on the team feel badly. I would not be shocked to see Ryan Vermillion back in the league after the year suspension. And if I see Jeff Tash, I'll play him this and give him my view. He's the general counsel of the league. And he was my year at Harvard Law School, so a year ahead of Barry Coburn. So I suspect we'll both give Jeff an earful. Yeah, you had quite the click at Harvard Law School back in the day, huh? There you go. It's uh, like the great Redskins teams. This also had Mark Warner, the center from Virginia. Uh, and by the way, while we're talking about that, the former CEO of Pfizer was in our class. So wow. uh, we could have had the whole band. Now, with this Ryan Vermillion scenario, I mean, it is true that he provided substances to players without legitimate prescriptions. It is true that he unlawfully acquired and obtained possession of oxycodone. We in this country, of course, have a substantial opioid crisis. You know, we can't just have people like Ryan Vermillion going rogue. So what is the right way of looking at what he did? The league needs to streamline the procedure have a checks and balance procedure, have an accounting procedure. We now have, um, you know, phones in our pockets. Ryan Vermillion can log in exactly who he's giving an oxycodone to in a minute. It can go to all the team physicians. It could go to the league office. It, it can go to Joe Biden for all he cares. Um, and they can bless it all they want. It's just they're in Minnesota and nobody with the team has the right under our DEA laws to write a prescription in Minnesota. They're not licensed. That's basically, Al, about protecting licensees and, and doctors in Minneapolis, uh, that you don't have doctors from New York prescribing things in Florida when their patients go down there. That's because the doctors in Florida don't want doctors in New York doing telemedicine now. Um, so they have licensing prescriptions. But I trust Ryan Vermillion. Um, no, I don't trust him. I don't know him at all. He could have been hoard, you know, hoarding these, selling them on the side, making a profit, pushing them to kids who have no prescriptions or the like. But it turns out none of that was true. Barry got that in a statement of facts that none of that was true. So the story that we're left with is one where you say, these pills ought to have been dispensed. The NFL needs a streamlined process where you're assured that no one's abusing the practice on the one hand, but a, but a player who's coming back, you know, with, uh, with a arm that's going tomorrow for the MRI, um, he can overnight have a pill, uh, when he's waiting for his MRI tomorrow night and not have Ryan Vermillion on the plane home tell him, well, our doctors can't prescribe it. We're still in Minnesota. We're talking Ryan Vermillion and Dan Snyder with Howard Gutman, the former United States ambassador to Belgium, a 1980 graduate of Harvard Law School, and a big Commanders fan. All right, uh, now to the Danny. Uh, so this episode of the podcast is for August 23rd. It was on July 28th that Dan testified before Congress's House Committee on Oversight and Reform regarding the team's workplace misconduct scandal. Uh, the testimony happened virtually. Uh, the testimony lasted for nearly 11 hours. And we since then have heard next to nothing about the testimony. No transcript from Congress. Uh, no updates from Congress. No leaks from Congress. At least no substantial leaks. Nothing. Uh, what do you make of this? This lack of information about this long-anticipated Dan Snyder testimony that happened nearly a month ago now. I am sort of perplexed. I have certain possibilities in mind. I did go out to training camp for the last day last on Thursday, and I gave the media corps a hard time saying, have you guys been calling Carol Maloney's office? And have you been asking the Redskin PR staff? where they are, and does anyone know where Mr. Snyder is? Because that would tell me a lot of what might be going on. If he had made a triumphant return back to the U.S. after his testimony, then I could have said fairly confidently, however that was left, it was left in a way where the commanders are off the hook. Because um, Dan came back, and so he's not still fearful of a subpoena. But I didn't see him. I don't know how many of the 32 teams did not have their primary owner or their co-owner 
um, attend zero of their training of their open training camp. Uh, but no one's ever seen them there. I, I don't think that's ever happened in a prior year. Um, and so where is Dan Snyder? If he's still not in the country, but Tanya's back. But if Dan is still not back, that means there's a concern about a subpoena. And this is still out there, something going on. So there's a couple of possibilities. It could be neither side was happy with the outcome particularly. Carol Maloney in that format, Carol Maloney from the House Oversight Committee, the Congresswoman leading it, and in a tooth and nail race to keep her congressional seat with Jerry Nadler in New York, who's a, another long-term Democrat, and their, their, um, their congressional districts got joined and they're running against each other. Carol Maloney must have nothing to trumpet because normally we would have expected the leaks um, you know, to be faster than the Titanic. Those leaks would have been coming out the minute it was done. If there was something Tara Maloney wanted to, to get attention for, and we got nothing. On the other hand, you would think if, if Dan had scored a home run, we'd be hearing it by the commanders. What there was was one statement right after he finished saying he testified for X time, he did his job. And that was it. Now, in some respects, it's smart for the commanders never to mention this again and try to move on. Um, but where is the week? So possibly neither side is happy. Uh, and one of two things happened. They may have both agreed that they're done. The commanders will issue that one statement and neither side will say anything further. That that's in their mutual interest. They may not have a specific agreement, but they may have a detente for now um, that as long as the commanders aren't saying much, and as long as Maloney's not saying much, the other one doesn't have to react, and neither one's taking on water. Or this may be the calm before the storm. The House might be waiting for Snyder to come back to subpoena him. They left the right to subpoena him if they weren't happy with all the answers. Uh, and Snyder is still figuring out when he's safe to come back, and the House is just laying in wait. Which of those it is, I don't know, and that's what I was chiding the, the media core last week, that we ought to try to figure that out. Do you think that any of this has to do with the Mary Jo White investigation still not having been completed, or at least the findings of the Mary Jo White investigation still not having been announced? It's quite possible, but we, we don't know is how broad Mary Jo White uh, is, is investigation is. Remember, she was only originally looking at the allegation, the later allegation by Tiffany Johnson that Dan supposedly had touched her leg under a table and steered her into his car after an event, uh, kind of pushing on her back. If the context of that let her reopen everything the House has just done and reopen the Beth Wilkinson report and the like, they could be waiting for Mary Jo White. The other one to keep your eye on, I've said several times, that's the sleeper that could be the real threat, is the John Gruden lawsuit. Yeah. John Gruden sued for uh, the NFL basically um, doing him in by releasing these documents, uh, sort of a conspiracy to get me kind of theory. I did not think that would survive what's called a motion to dismiss, that after you file a complaint, a lawsuit, uh, the other side says it doesn't state a legal claim, but the court ruled it does. Once the court ruled it states a legal claim, you move on to discovery, to the to getting documents and taking depositions. John Gruden is going to have the right to depose Dan Snyder uh, again, and this could open it all again. So we can see this come back up with Mary Jo White. We can see this come back up with John Gruden. Um, it's just not that likely that the House is being quiet, hoping that was happening, because those won't happen before the election, I doubt. Um, if maybe Mary Jo White comes out before the season officially starts, and that's what um, the league had asked her to do. That's what Goodell had asked, if she could have a report before the season starts, to put it behind her. But if she doesn't, then the report probably comes out, you know, right after January, uh, after the season's over, and that will be too late for this House Oversight Committee, assuming the Republicans capture the House, which is a little less certain than it was weeks ago. From your perspective as a lawyer, 
tactically speaking, am I right in saying that Dan Snyder's lawyers have done a terrific job? Uh, As far as we know, Congress still has not been able to serve Dan with a subpoena. And this entire scenario of congressional involvement with the commanders may well be fizzling out with Dan's testimony potentially having been a nothing burger. Yes, they've handled it very well, given where the goalposts were. So first of all, they had a deadline that was reachable that they thought this investigation would end based on congressional representation, based on elections, if they could get to January. So they had a credible threat. If the Congress wasn't going anywhere, they would have had to meet this differently because Dan eventually had to come back. So that's one. They had that advantage. Two, they had a client who was willing to move out of the country for as long (laughs) as it took. (laughs) Once, most of us can't be, you know, homeless for months, even if we have big yachts and a big world to go see. But once he was willing to, to last them out, um, and he had credibly could do so, and the the House faced a, a clock ticking, uh, the Snyder team had leverage and they played it well. And what I would have tried to accomplish is just what they tried to accomplish. No live videotape. What, first of all, no live appearance. No videotape. Nothing to see. Even if this transcript comes out, this is going to be like, by the time it comes out, it'll be hard reading for everybody. Yeah. Um, so, and then um, the lawyer there uh, able to, to tell him not to answer or to interfere because it wasn't under subpoena. And so that's the perfect situation that even Dan Snyder, who we both know is not that comfortable in public speaking, not p- comfortable in depositions, but he can get through that one. The worst he can say is happy Thanksgiving when it's nowhere near Thanksgiving. <laughs> Well, as you know, the House Committee on Oversight and Reform has not been shy about releasing documents pertaining to the commander's workplace misconduct scandal. That the committee still has not released the transcript of Dan Snyder's testimony would seem to suggest that there's just not much to the transcript, that there just wasn't much to Dan's testimony. Uh, Am I right in thinking that? I think a thousand percent. Yeah. It's either, well, 99 percent, it's that. And 1%, they've got something, and they're trying to get them back. Or, but, if, but if you're right, they don't have something now. The question is, are they still laying in wait, hoping to get them under subpoena? Because he won that round, but the, but the war is not over, just the battle. Um, and we don't know, except none of us have seen the subtle but triumphant return of Dan Snyder yet. That's right. We are waiting with anticipation. Uh, One more for you. You are a big fan of the Commanders. How is Howard Gutman feeling about the team uh, two games into its preseason? You know, the definition of insanity (laughs) is doing the same thing over again and thinking you're getting a different result. If you don't have linebackers, you cannot stop third down. If they go wide and, and, and you're rushing your line, there are more people over that open over that middle than um, than we can imagine, and that's what the same problem is. And somehow Al Galdi and everyone else said we need a linebacker. I know it's a position that's not that important. You only need it to let's say stop third down, uh, but that's sort of our, our our problem. So hopefully we'll find a solution for stopping third down. Um, uh, you know, and Al, I went last week. To my ritual, I put a hundred dollars down at at the uh, at Ted Leonsis's sports book down in the Cap One Center. I put a hundred dollars down for the Commanders to win the Super Bowl. Wow! So is always eternal. Good for you. Good for you, Howard Gutman, the former United States ambassador to Belgium, a 1980 graduate of Harvard Law School, a major Commanders fan, willing to put his money on the Commanders making the Super Bowl. <laughs> and the host of the political commentary radio show, As I See It, on News Radio WRVA in Richmond, Virginia, and on the Odyssey app. Ambassador, great to get your thoughts on all of this. Thank you for your time. Thanks so much, Al. Take good care.
And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Wednesday show, episode 384. We'll have plenty more on the Commanders, and we'll talk Nationals and Orioles. So the Nats on Tuesday night at 10-10 will begin game one of a two-game series at the Seattle Mariners. The O's on Tuesday night at 7.05 will begin game one of a three-game series against the Chicago White Sox at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. So have a great rest of your Tuesday, and I'll talk to you on Wednesday. Uh, we saw Wes Schweitzer out doing some position drills. Uh, guess what's, what's with him? We haven't seen Andrew Norwell in a while. What right. are the situations there? Just guys, you know, taking care of themselves. What See, is, I don't have to give you an injury report, so I'm sure. just telling you, they're just guys taking care of themselves. Well, okay? Just for Norwell, we, I don't think we've ever heard what his yeah. issue was. I know. I don't have to tell you that right now. <laughs> so I'm just telling you. He's just working through it, and when he's healthy and ready to roll and everything's okay and fine, we'll get guys out there on the football field. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase, plus get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com